Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hi, and welcome back to the show. The word landmark building or iconic building, they're terms that get thrown around a lot in the condominium industry by uh, marketing companies and developers describing the buildings that they are promoting. However, there's only actually a very small handful of buildings that can actually back it up and truly call themselves a landmark or an iconic building. And the Art Shop Condos and Lofts, which is launching now at Young and Eglinton, certainly will be uh, one of the buildings that is a true landmark, an iconic building that will really define an area and really be um, a building by which the others in the area will be measured against when it's all said and done. So I'm very excited today to be interviewing Peter Freed. Peter is the uh, man, of course, behind Freed Developments. And Freed Developments is uh, very well known in the King West neighborhood, uh, which is known by some people as Freedville, actually, because there's so many buildings in the area built by Freed. Um, And now, over the past year or two, Peter has shifted his sights to Young and Eglinton. And he's got three fantastic sites there, with the most um, important, you could say, of the three would certainly be Art Shop Condos sites right on Young Street, just a block south of Young and Eglinton. And so we talked a lot about that project. We talked a lot about Peter's um, story and how he got started in real estate and how he got to uh, the place that he is today in the industry. And uh, it was just a really great interview overall. Peter doesn't tend to do a lot of interviews, so I was very excited to be able to sit down with Peter for this one. For all the show notes on this episode and to get the floor plans, prices, and the full investor package for Art Shop Condos, just head on over to truecondos.com slash freed, F-R-E-E-D, and the show notes for this episode will be there. So here it is, my interview with Peter Freed. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Good. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Peter Freed. Peter, welcome to the show, and thanks for your time today. You're welcome. Um, So why don't we get started? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? How did you get started in real estate, and why did you go into this business? Well, in my late teens, I was becoming pretty fascinated with house building at the time. And when I finished school... Uh, high school and went to university, which I went to very briefly, only for about a year. Um, I was anxious to learn how to build houses. So I fortunately had a friend's father who's been a mentor to me, uh, who's still a mentor to me to this day, um, who was a real estate developer. And he uh, instructed me to get a job first as a laborer uh, to learn from the ground up. So he got me a job as a laborer uh, on a house building site in Whitby, in Whitby, Whitby, Ontario. Okay, and I worked there as a laborer and saw twenty houses, you know, come out of the ground and go up. And um, that was my first exposure to construction. 
And you were how old, roughly? You're in your teens. You said I was. Uh, I think I think I was 20 at this point. Okay. And um, after that, I uh, a year later, through another contact, uh, hooked up with an individual whose family was in the, in the development business, and we started a home building company together and got some lots from his family. We started off with 12 lots in Markham. And uh, I site supered and uh, sold the houses and the trailer on the weekend, did all the budgets, marketing program. It was a really great crash course in house building. Mm. And uh, once we were, once we had some success with the 12 houses, we then got another 50 lots and then another 50 lots. And so I ended up building 100 homes with them uh, from the time I was 20, uh, early 20s, you know, up until the time I was about 23, 24 years old. And at that point, I uh, left and opened up my own construction company. I would have you know, built you a custom house for a fee, let's say. I didn't have any capital. Uh, and I didn't know much about development at that point in time. I was just a, a construction manager, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Okay. Um, I would have renovated your basement for $10,000, you know, that type of thing. Right. Uh, <clears throat> so I did that for uh, a few years. And I guess by the time I was 26, 27, I, um, I learned that you could... Uh, I guess essentially for a, a management fee, if you found an opportunity, you could take it to a, a capital partner or an investor who would uh, put up the capital you needed. And I did that um, with a large investor to build some homes in Aurora. So we did two small housing developments in Aurora. And I guess that would take me to like 96, 97 when I was 26, 27 years old. and. At that point, I started learning about development and realized if you wanted to be a builder, you likely should also be a developer because that's where um, the true opportunity uh, was in, in, from my analysis to date. So I found a land assembly opportunity in North York um, in 1997-98 where I put seven houses under agreement that had very big backyards and I optioned them uh, for two years and I rezoned it into 50 townhomes. So that would have been my first. Okay. Where was that? Uh, right behind Mel Lastman Square on okay. a street called Ellerslie, yep. right at Beecroft in Ellerslie. It sat on a park called Dempsey Park. So we called the project Dempsey Park. Um, that was very successful. So we did it again. Was that sort of, would you say that was a defining moment? Was that like Definitely. a light, the light bulb sort of went off at that point and you said, That hmm. was, uh, you know, breaking the ice <laughs> as a developer and, and, yeah. and fortunately having success. Um, so we did it again at Ellerslie and Bathurst, but assembled some more land, got another 50 units approved, um, sold that site to, a, to another builder once the approvals were in place. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of went from there. So... You know, it sort of took me, I did about a thousand homes that way. And by the time I was uh, 31, 32, which takes me to 2002, 2003, I had been looking at King West area a lot. 
King and Bathurst, and that's when I bought my first site in the King West area to do our, our first building. And the first site was? 66 Portland. 66 Portland. Can you tell us how that deal came about or why? It seems like maybe it seems like a big jump to go from townhomes, North York, that sort of thing, to a downtown. Sure. Especially here, obviously, uh, you know, we know King West, what it is now. Um, some people call it Freedville, obviously. Um, but back then, this was when exactly? 2002, but I had... 2002. I, I mean, had, there was nothing here. It was derelict mostly. and To, to the common eye, yes. But at the same time, um, it, it had a lot of old, nice historical buildings that were starting to come back to life um, by virtue of the fact that Allied REIT... Had Mike Emery had started acquiring, had acquired a big portfolio of these buildings, and we're starting to put uh, tenants uh, back in them. And um, you know, it was a ten-minute walk from the downtown core, five-minute walk from the lake and Queen West. And to me, it just seemed like a diamond in the rough. It had obviously a long history to it. The what did people? I'm curious. What did people say to you at that time? Um, what were people saying? You're crazy. This is not a good move. Or were people saying, "Wow, like no, I got, I got uh, you're resistance. a smart guy and and you're ahead of the curve." And yeah, let's. I want to join with you. Or was it like, "Well, this guy's crazy." King West, who would want him us there? Well, when when an opportunity is not obvious to to the average person, it's hard to. Uh, most people don't have any vision. Most people are risk adverse, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, I just saw an opportunity to do a project at that point. I, I wasn't thinking I was going to end up doing you know 13 projects or however many it's been, but um, I was excited to do one project. And um, most people I showed it to, the opportunity to turn it down. So it took me a while to find someone to agree to take the risk with me. Mm-hmm. But uh, fortunately, I, I found a partner to do the project with, and we launched it for sales in the spring of '03, and had some reasonable success. They didn't, the condos didn't fly fly off the table. We didn't sell out or anything <laughs> like that. But we we sold about half the units, which was a reasonable start, and worked uh, diligently over three four months to get it up to about sixty five percent sold and got our construction financing and started. At that point, we looked for another site. So we bought a site on Adelaide, which became, I guess it was called 10, 10 Morrison at the end of the day. We marketed it as 455 Adelaide. Right. I didn't realize that was your second site. I thought you were still on well, what happened was South we, of King. We, we started, that was the second one we, we put under contract. But a very short time after that, we bought Krangle's Auto, which is now the Thompson Hotel site. And the same family owned a little piece of property across the street on Stewart called 20 Stewart. Right. So we actually picked up three new opportunities in a short period of time. That's when we, uh, we started picking up speed and the neighborhood started to emerge or become more obvious to the average uh, person. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, you know, between those projects, we added another five or 600 or six or 700 units 
plus a hotel and retail and parking. So that was a, a, a that was our big move, you know, in retrospect. Right. In uh, 2004, 2005. Right. Right. What um, what drives you today? Like what now that you're 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 a veteran in the business. You've got many buildings under your belt. You've got a neighborhood pretty much named after you now. <laughs> um, what drives you today to keep going? I love uh, love creating uh, projects. Love love design. I love uh, I love Toronto, um, and it's what I do. So uh, when we can find new opportunities on in good locations where we can effectively do what we do. Um, that still excites me, and uh, we have a big organization now with a lot of people, a lot of great people that we're uh, keeping busy. So um, it's just a privilege to be playing a role in in uh, uh, elevating our city and and um, uh, and assisting in building it. What uh, your brand is very distinctive. It's it's you know you have a very distinct reputation in the industry what does what do you want your brand to stand for what do you want people to remember you or know you as when they when they see your buildings or when they step into your buildings what do you want them to experience or feel uh, we we hope that they feel an elevated uh style of lifestyle and design um we hope that our buildings stand out as buildings uh that have elevated uh, the design threshold in the city, uh, buildings where people cared um, to uh, differentiate them from all the other commodity type offerings that we see every day on every corner. Um, so just um, an elevated um, product um, that hopefully stands out from our competitors. What bugs you most about the condo industry? Or if you had a magic wand, you could change one thing overnight about the condo industry, what would it be? One thing. Well, there's many things I wish I could <laughs> change with the condo industry. But you mentioned the commodity-driven sort of product that's out there. That's obviously a huge part of the market. Is that something that bugs you or that motivates you to, no. to be different from that? Or... You don't worry so much about what other people are doing. No, I don't worry. You know, it, it is what it is. People are gonna, you know, the masses are gonna do what, what they're meant to do. Um, but um, yeah, I guess I, I wish I wish you could start building projects after you've maybe sold a third of the units, not two thirds. I appreciate the de-risking factor of the two thirds, and if I was chairing the board of a bank, I would keep it the way it is. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily even take a construction loan at a third pre-sales unless I felt really good about the overall direction of the economy mm-hmm. um, or the risk profile of that project. But I just think it's a shame that you have to sell most of the units before you get started because I think you leave a lot of value on the table. What do you mean exactly? Because I've had that sentiment, heard that sentiment a lot from different people and comparing the, the model in the U.S., most of the U.S. where you can – you know, they've built it and often before they, or they used yeah, to build it right. before they uh, sold it. And it create, at the end of the day, it creates a different product when you can finance it that way, um, where you can build uh, more suites that are geared for the end user as opposed to the investor 
uh, the suite does it more for the investor so you can sell them quicker. Right. Is well, that where you're going with that? Well, or? You know, the word investor, obviously, how many people do you know are buying a condo today for them to themselves to move into three or four years from now? Right. I don't know anyone who's doing right. that. So, I don't know what I'm doing four years yeah, from now. Right, exactly. <laughs> so obviously what's fueling the, the condominium industry uh, are investors um, buying uh, pre-construction uh, condo units, which uh, the vast majority of are, in reality, the future rental supply for the city of Toronto. Mm -hmm. So um, I just believe that, you know, you asked me the question, if there was one thing I, I could change, it would be that. So it wouldn't be so investor-driven. It would be more end-user-driven and there wouldn't be such a such an aggressive mandate for a developer to pre-sell to lock down their financing at such an early stage. Do you think that mandate, the way that it's structured, uh, creates bad buildings? That in itself doesn't create bad buildings. People developing bad buildings creates bad buildings. And it's not necessarily... Um, about budget either. I mean, I've seen some of the most horrific uh, construction projects uh, have the largest construction budgets just with people not knowing how to allocate um, their dollars accordingly. Uh, it's a matter of taste, I guess. Uh, it's subjective. Some people may right. like it, some people may not. Right. But you can develop a beautiful building with a very low budget. So I think the industry gets itself into... Uh, patterns of comfort patterns of uh, you know copying imitating reproducing um, no innovation the same product over and over again with very mm -hmm. little innovation or very will very little willing to take any chances or risk to do something a little bit different and that's unfortunate because then you end up with a city with a hundred buildings that look the same and mm -hmm. that's uh, it's very negative in my opinion yeah do you think uh there's a condo bubble in toronto what's your take on that question not at all i mean it, to me there there it's obvious that there isn't at the moment um i i focus on things statistics like uh, the fact that over the last 20 years toronto has sold approximately 40,000 new homes and condos every single year. We have incredible growth here. It's 100,000 people a year moving into the city. That is not a small number of people. 80% um, of the condominium supply, more or less, is the new rental supply. There's a 1% vacancy rate. Why the press doesn't talk about that key point more is, you know, I guess they're trying to sell papers with bad news, which mm -hmm. we all know they do. Is there ever reason to be concerned about the industry? Of course, it comes, you know, it flows in waves. There's lots of macroeconomic factors that are out of our control, like the financial crisis in late 08, early 09. Mm -hmm. So you should always be worried in this business or else you shouldn't be in it because it's, it's a terrifying business. Yeah. But there isn't a condo bubble in Toronto. And I think the values in Toronto are still very low. It's $600 a foot. 650 a foot what city what comparable city like toronto in the world in the downtown core 
with a brand new stylish building, can you find a condo for six to seven hundred dollars square foot? Nowhere. Right. So that gives me comfort. Um, again, all within the context of always being nervous <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about Art Shop. Art Shop's obviously launching very soon. I know you're, you've been working hard on that. I'm assuming you're very excited to get that um, project out there into the marketplace. Um, but taking a step back, Young and Eglinton as an area, what, why Young and Eglinton for you? I mean, you've, you've got three sites there that you're in different stages of development now. Um, what's significant about Young and Eglinton so many, you? so many things. I would start with uh, transit, you know, the, the new LRT, $8 billion investment running east-west. Long Eglinton intersecting with the Young Subway line. I mean, to me, that's as obvious as it gets. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, in a lot of ways, the center of the city. Um, it's a great neighborhood already. It's only going to get better. Um, I see twenty to 30,000 people moving into that neighborhood over the next decade. Uh, it'll absorb a couple thousand units a year, at least, of new sales and construction. Uh, all the density approvals, planning rationale uh, to support the new infrastructure. It's, it's, it's just blatantly obvious that it's a great yeah. uh, development neighborhood. Personally, did, uh, I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that you grew up in the area as well? I grew up close to the area. I didn't okay. grow up you know, within three minutes of the intersection, but you know, I, c I could ride my bike there in five or six minutes. Let's right. put it that way. What... Uh, what does the area sort of mean to you personally? Like what memories do you have of it growing up and, and what does it sort of mean and where do you see it, you know, you mentioned a little bit, where do you see it going? Like specifically the art shop site, it seems to have a lot of, um, you know, significance to people who are from the area in particular. What does the site mean to you and why were you so eager to, uh, to acquire the site and excited to, to get it? Well, growing up, Close to the area, Young and Eglinton was always a um, attractive intersection uh, neighborhood with some some nice restaurant offerings and retail, and you know the movie theaters were there. It was pretty simple at the end of the day. It hadn't changed a lot over the last has not changed a lot over the last twenty five years, but it's now changing a lot. It's now overdue to change. The art shop site to me growing up was always that huge city block furniture store yeah. um, that just sat on a tremendous amount of land. And um, to have the opportunity to acquire that site and create a world-class project uh, on it and to play a major role in the repositioning of the neighborhood, um, you know, it just it means a lot. It's uh, a fantastic opportunity what are the key highlights for you of art shop what stands out as, as making this building something special well i would start with saying that it's again an entire city block so you have an incredible amount of frontage mm -hmm. on three city streets young sudan and hillsdale and then the the north south uh, eastern border of the site we're running a linear park from sudan down to hillsdale so far as like master planning, um, that really stands out. Then to have 550,000 feet of building to play with um, is also incredible. Is this, would this be the largest 
building in terms of footage that you've done? For a single building, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the Red Path Project, the two towers combined, I think, are 650,000 feet. Um, so they're, they're both quite significant, but, um, but the art shop uh, for one building is, uh, I believe, the largest footprint we've worked with. Um, it's actually uh, almost the same amount of land. I would say 97% within the same size as the Thompson Hotel. So right. They were both about 70,000 feet of land, which is right. a little bit under two acres. And these types of sites are just getting so rarer and rarer Absolutely. and harder and harder. To f I'm yeah. trying to think, too, of, of similar size sites anywhere in the city right now. I mean, there's one or two. I mean, there's, they're very hard to come by a whole city block like that. Well, that's why, uh, for example, like the Red Path Project, we had to assemble 22 properties to create the site. <laughs> uh, the art shop, we bought a couple of homes just to you know, sort of clean it up on the east side to enable us to build the linear park because we had a little park on the south side of the site that we're now taking north to Sudan. But, uh, yeah, it's becoming harder and harder. It's, there's, the opportunities are out there, but it takes a lot of work. What can you tell us? I know you're probably in ongoing discussions, but what can you tell us about the retail component of the building? Is any, has anybody been secured? Can you give us any hints or any teasers as to what we can expect there? Well, you can expect one of the major grocers uh, in the country. can't mention the name yet. Okay. But um, we... Uh, we have signed uh, a deal with with a large retailer, large grocer, and then on the ground floor, we're going to um, have a mix of uh, a handful of retail tenants. So it's going to be world class luxury retail. Um, we're always going to try to we're always going to keep the lifestyle of the resident in the building in mind when we do leases. So it is being programmed. So we're not talking about a dry cleaner in a convenience store? <laughs> not necessarily, but, not that type but of dry, vibe. dry cleaning is part of a large <laughs> offering. Certainly, you know, people yeah. need dry cleaning. But sure. It certainly won't be the focus. Right. You're uh, not going to have a, a 30,000 square foot dry cleaner? No. <laughs> so that, that's worth pointing out. I think you mentioned the grocery store is actually going to be on the second level of the retail. And then you have a whole ground level as well. So just in total, how many square footage of retail are you, is there going to be? That it's about 85,000 feet. 85,000. Uh, it's just, you know, the scale is, is there's nothing like it out there. Um, it was just announced uh, Carl Lagerfeld is, is going to be doing designing the lobby. Um, yeah, what can you Carl, tell us about that? Yeah, Carl Lagerfeld, um, we uh, retained him to design the lobbies. Um, there's two lobbies, a north lobby and a south lobby. And we're very excited about that. It's his first project like this in the country. And um, he's quite a character. He's quite gifted. And he'll, he'll utilize his uh, creativity to make the project even more special than it already is. When you're designing or looking at suite interiors, I understand that you're from what I've heard, you're very hands-on with, with, with the design details uh, of, the, of your buildings. What are the sort of non-negotiable things that you like to have in every suite? And sort of roundabout way asking you, like when investors are looking at units, what, you know, what are the things that they should be looking for that makes a great suite? 
Well, I'm a big believer in open concept, um, functionality, and creating spaces that um, like give off a, a you know a positive, positive energy. We we try to delete walls whenever we can. Um, at the same time, appreciating uh, whether it's a one bedroom or a two bedroom uh, unit, or even a three bedroom unit. Um, look, if it's a small unit and you have 400 square feet, there's only so much you can do in 400 square right. feet, but if it is a very small unit, again, you want it to be open. You want it to feel uh, bigger than it really is, if possible. You want to. You have to imagine people being comfortable in the space and using it for different reasons. And um, you know, we've created thousands of these units over the last decade, and I like to think we're pretty good at it at this point. I would certainly <laughs> hope so. Um, and then we like to, uh, you know, work with designers, local local designers, and and international designers to try to differentiate the product um, to keep it fresh. And in terms of the finish, yeah. So uh, that that's been our our approach. Um, and sort of one last question to sort of as we wrap things up is there is there any question that nobody has ever asked you about yourself or about your business or about the condo industry? But that you wish that somebody would ask you, and what would that question be? That's a pretty tough question to, <laughs> to, to answer cold. <laughs> Take your time. Yeah. That's a tough one. Um, been asked a lot of questions. Um, oh, just just more so. I think more focused on. Um, just Toronto itself, you know, I, to, just to make a final point, I'm, I'm surprised that people don't uh, celebrate our city more than they do and, and realize how lucky we are to be in Toronto and just how much uh, a privilege it is to be uh, developing real estate in, in the city at this point in time. So you know, people always talk about, you know, products or pricing, you know, the more physical components, but... Mm-hmm. But I think uh, they don't step back enough and just ask about Toronto and, and uh, what Toronto means uh, to me um, in the grand scheme of things. And uh, you're again, obviously very proud of your city and very proud of, of, of the stance of the city in the international scene. Absolutely. And um, I'm putting out a book on Toronto oh, really? a month from now that I've been working on for two years. So wow. I'll, What's, just, throw, uh, I'll just throw that out. Okay, at great. <laughs> but That's I'll, exciting. I'll, yeah, we'll be watching for that book. Is it like a, what type, What is it like it's, a coffee um, table book? or an, It's a, uh, a coffee table book. Okay. Um, I have a very, I bought a very large book collection on Toronto a number of years ago from a collector. It has almost a couple thousand books from the early 1800s until present. Wow. And I've spent the last year extracting all of the best images uh, from the book collection to create this coffee table book, which really is going to, in essence, be a pictorial celebration of the city. Wow. Does it have a title yet? Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Well, thank you very much, Peter. Uh, we'll definitely watch for that. Thanks for your time today and um, all the best with Art Shop. Okay, there you have it. That was my interview with Peter Freed from Freed Developments. I hope you enjoyed that. Once again, for the show notes on this episode and to get the investor package for this project, Art Shop Condos, just head on over to truecondos.com 
slash freed, F-R-E-E-D. And I'll uh, be sure to get you that information right away after you complete the little form there. So uh, very excited about Art Shop Condos. I think it's going to be a, a, a truly iconic landmark sort of project with a design that's going to really set it apart with retail component and amenities that are going to make it uh, one of the best buildings in the city, certainly the best building in the Young and Eglinton neighborhood, in my opinion, and just very excited to be bringing this project to all of our investor clients. I should also mention that uh, I personally uh, invested in the Young and Eglinton neighborhood as well, as some of you already know. Um, one of the units in my portfolio is in uh, 155 Red Path, which is uh, also one of uh, Freed's other buildings at Young and Eglinton. So I am a big believer in what's happening and what's uh, to come in Young and Eglinton, as well as uh, the Freed brand and the Freed name. Um, I'm personally invested in as well. So Definitely a recommended building for any investors who are out there, Art Shop Condos. And I look forward to uh, bringing you all the details on this. Just head on over to truecondos.com slash freed, and we'll get that information over to you right away. So thank you again for listening, and have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.